Show number 174, special movie review edition of Star Trek Into Darkness. So here we are, ready to talk about the, the second new Star Trek movie. And, of course, the big question that we were wondering was, are we going to dislike it as much as the first new Star Trek movie? And I think the answer is pretty much yes. Um, I think I disliked it more. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I vaguely remember seeing the first new one for the first time and it, you know, kind of, and my mouth hanging open, but I don't believe I ever got angry enough to really want to throw things. <laughs> and that did happen to me. Yeah. Um, I also want to say yes. something just for our listeners. So they know how we did this. We each saw it separately. And we each recorded our own mini-review mm-hmm. without talking to the other. And uh, then we listened to our each other's reviews, and now we're, we're going to discuss them. But I, ha- I just have to point out that um, I found the contrast <laughs> to be noteworthy because yours and, and Logan's, who I, I thank for doing that, um, was much more rational. <laughs> and mine was completely... Over the top, foaming at the mouth. <laughs> and I think this means that you and Logan are the Spock type uh, reviewer. No. And I'm McCoy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, for our listeners' benefit, I am going to put our separate reviews at the end of this so they can hear for themselves how we each Oh, reacted. okay. All I right. Think, good, I, good. I, I, didn't, good. I didn't know if you are going to put it at the end or the beginning or what. I think I'll put it at the end. I think it would be better for them to hear us talk together and then hear the individual reactions. Okay. Um, you know, having going to see it with Logan was good because I knew that there would be some things about it that he would like. And he is a very... Um, like empathetic in the way that when he when we go to the movies together he really gets into the movie in a way that sometimes I can't you know mm-hmm. I, I am too aware that I'm sitting in the audience watching a movie and he he really can like lose himself in a movie so it's good because that's what the filmmakers are trying to achieve so right. as he said in his review he was really he felt very emotional about certain parts of it and you know there were things that it, he really liked and I just felt through the whole thing kind of one step removed from everything except for the yes. parts where I was just rolling my eyes and kind of making out loud disgusted noises because right. there were things that I just couldn't help reacting to like oh, really really you're putting this in a movie really oh God. really yeah um I at when it started you know I was I was dreading seeing this and seeing this on my own without you but you know so I was kind of going okay so try try to have an open mind have a beer and try to have an open mind and so I did and um we're, we're not trying we're gonna have spoilers in this right oh, we're yes. not trying huge, to huge okay good good so the big opening you know with um McCoy and Kirk running and the aliens chasing them that was completely unclear to me why that happened it was unnecessary um, Yes, and um, and Spock and the volcano was kind of like, well, why didn't they have the eagles fly the ring to the cracks of doom? You know, why didn't they just beam this this thing into the volcano? So the whole thing was like, oh, but I thought, okay, you have to start an action movie with an action sequence. But I cannot, I cannot shut off the critical part of me that is going, what? Why would you put? The Enterprise in the ocean, 
And yeah. if the whole big deal was, oh, they can't see us, they can't see us, the Enterprise is so big that even if you put it in, in the middle of the night, somebody's going to become aware of it, right? So, you know, it's it's just like like idiocy. But then as the thing went on, I was kind of going, you know, this could be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it became obvious fairly early to me that the villain was not Gary Mitchell, mm-hmm. that he was Khan. And they were sort of going at this at a roundabout way. And I thought, this is kind of cool. This is kind of like, um, you know, some fanfic that that we've read and there's some good stuff in alternate universes mm-hmm. where they do reference points in the real universe and I thought this could be interesting but then when it became really evident that they were just going to rip off the key scenes mm-hmm. I was so mad and I stopped rolling my eyes and making noises out loud going oh really oh <laughs> Oh man! I mean, I was, I, I I was just so furious through the last, I don't know, quarter of the movie or something. I could not get out of there fast enough. Mm-hmm. And well, um, I, I was going to say, as as you pointed out um, in in your review, I believe the um, triple that appears uh, sort of halfway through, you know, it's going to go off in the third act. I mean, yes, you just knew it was going to. And as soon as I saw that. It, I didn't know what was going to happen in the rest of the movie. So for, mm-hmm. for we're referring to the fact that they take the sample of Khan's blood. Oh, and I've read a lot of reviews since then. I'm going to be mentioning things that I saw in some of the reviews. Um, and one of them said, did McCoy get Khan's permission to take his blood? Isn't that kind of illegal if you just take someone's blood without their permission? Um, well, when they first had him in the, in the glass jail cell or whatever mm-hmm. and McCoy says you know stick your arm through I need to take some blood you can't just do that you can't just do that so yeah so much for like respecting his rights and everything anyway mm-hmm. so yeah he injects the, his super blood into a triple which we know is going to bring it back to life and at that moment I just said okay so for the rest of the movie anybody who dies isn't actually going to die and well, that, we know that Kirk don't never die and stay dead. But. Uh, so, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was Mm-mm. Kirk, if it was Scotty, if it was Sulu. It didn't like whoever was going to die. They weren't going to die. Just no. that's it. So no. there was no tension at all for the rest of the movie as far as is a character going to bite the dust. Um, although I will say in that uh, IO9 FAQ, which was brilliant. Um, oh my God! That somebody was somebody pointed out that they were the comment was you know I really thought that they might actually kill Kirk off, which would have been a really clever way of getting rid of an annoying character. <laughs> <laughs> which is true. I was like, oh, that's that would have been good. Yeah, neatly. So done. L- let's let's talk about Kirk. Um, I was really hoping to see some growth and development there. And, again, this movie is full of more tell than show. Mm -hmm. So, he's still just an arrogant dork. (laughs) And, I don't know, so he gets busted down, he gets his shit back, everybody ends up living happily ever after. But I still do not particularly see that he really learned anything from any of it. No, I don't think so. And... As far as the lines that that actually were making me laugh were when Carol Marcus said, well, you do have a reputation. And I went, for what? (laughs) 
for being a guy who thinks women like men who leer at them. Yeah, which he because did again, that, just like in the first movie. Right. I'm going, what reputation? Then we see him in bed with two cat women. Mm-hmm. And I figure this is J.J. Abrams shorthand for Kirk gets twice as much pussy as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, And then, you know, he boink, boink chapel. We find Apparently, out, yeah. But you know, there there's nothing supporting that. the 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 actor has no charisma, and there are no scenes that, even if he did, would would bring that to the forefront. Yeah. But he, we're being told he's got this reputation with women. Mm-hmm. He he, uh, is, he remains as was uh, done in the very honest trailer for the first Star Trek movie, an angry drunk. And yes, that that's about all he is, and that's all we ever see him being um, mm-hmm. outside of Starfleet. He once he goes right back to the bar and starts drinking again when he's not right anymore, and he's just totally arrogant and dorky and juvenile in all his decisions. Mm-hmm. And I was really watching it, going, these really seem like a bunch of teenagers who are in over their heads. Yeah, definitely not people who have been through a very very tough military academy training Mm -hmm. so um i have to say and and i said this in the uh thing when i was talking with logan about it my favorite scene of the movie was right at the beginning when uh he gets the enterprise taken away and pike basically rips him a new one and says, mm-hmm. here's all the reasons why you are not fit to be captain of the Enterprise. And everything he says is absolutely true. Right. You know, it's like, this is amazing. This is great. I can't believe someone is finally telling him and not letting Kirk defend himself or say, oh, well, it was worth it because I did all these great things and the rules really don't apply to me. And Pike is saying, no, the rules apply to you just like everybody else. And you're not going to get away with it this time. Get out of my office. That was right, brilliant. Right. That was so awesome. Pike was my favorite. But did you character. see anything at throughout the rest of the movie to indicate that by the end he understood what Pike was saying? Not really. And was now more qualified? No, he wasn't. And again, he got the position of being captain of the Enterprise because somebody died. It wasn't right, that he right. earned it again. So he still is in the position of being the captain without earning it. He's never mm-hmm. earned it. Ever. Well, you know. One thing that struck me, and granted, okay, there have been two movies, so that's like four hours of new Trek versus God knows how many hours of original Trek. But wasn't it pretty clear to you from pretty early on in the series why Kirk, why his great passion was to go into space? Of course. Do we have any reason is there anything that has ever told us why this new kirk wants to go into space is it just because he had nothing better to do that's basically it yes yeah and i the more i thought about it the more that that just bugged me Mm -hmm. no he has he has no he has no drive he has no Mm -mm. curiosity um he has no vision the way Kirk did, you know, it's so funny. I went to see this on a Sunday, and the night before, I'd watched uh, Me TV and watched mm-hmm. Miri. Yeah, a very good. Uh, we were both I love that episode. At the same time. It was so good, and there was such a contrast between seeing those two things back to back, so to speak, mm-hmm. that 
in Mary, you know, despite some of the, the uh, Shatnerian overacting in that, and I have to say I really did enjoy when he grabbed that kid off the desk and slammed him into the ground. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's such a good episode, and he's he's such the captain in that episode. Yes. And, yeah, this just came nowhere near close to it. Well, and this also strikes me as like, again, like teenagers or even younger kids. Um, the teacher leaves the room and they go nuts. So she decides that um, to kind of maybe uh, teach a little responsibility and help a person grow up, she leaves the troublemaker in charge. Mm-hmm. But he has no reason to be in charge. And that's what this Kirk is like. He's in charge while the grown-ups are gone, and they're trying to teach him responsibility, which, of course, is very nice. But do you do it with um, other people's lives and billions of dollars in spaceshipery? Yeah. You don't just give somebody a starship to teach them how to be responsible. It's yeah. not supposed to be like that. Give him a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Start him off small. And then yep. He'll, he'll, he'll that's learn. how you do it. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they did almost word for word the whole uh, death scene from Wrath of Khan was just awful. Um, oh, it was. And when when Spock shouted Khan, that was really when I just really lost it. I mean, my anger was bubbling over at that point. Yeah. It was stupid. I mean, besides being, of course, a betrayal of the original movie, which was so much better, um, it doesn't make any sense because that's not the way Spock would react and it's out of yes. character and it, it doesn't, it just doesn't fit with what we're, we've actually, it doesn't fit with everything that Spock said in the first half of the movie when, mm-hmm. you know, he had that little spat with Ahura about not showing emotion and how it doesn't mean he doesn't, you know, have it. It's just that he chooses not to feel it. So in that scene of all scenes, the most Spock thing that he would do would be not to give vent to his emotions, but he does it right. because they had to do a callback to a, a different movie. Well, and the thing, the other thing about it is, um, we haven't seen the Kirk Spock relationship develop to the point where that would move Spock as deeply as it apparently did. Yes, this is true. Yeah. They've spent four hours together and two of those, they spent disliking each other. Well, I didn't even get the impression they liked each other any better in this movie. Yeah, they were kind of bickering the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it you know, yeah, it, it shouldn't have affected him that much. Well, let's talk a little bit about Uhura. Mm-hmm. Um, as you pointed out, it was great that she got to speak Klingon. That was so cool. That she she had an actual, you know, functional role, got, you know, got to be in the spotlight a little bit. But other than that, her role in this was bugging the shit out of me. Because basically it seems like her role is to follow Spock around the ship mm-hmm. and kiss him in the hallway mm-hmm. and worry about him when he goes on missions. And there was even a moment where um, she's just hanging out on the bridge. She's not even at her station. And Kirk says to her, um, open a channel to so-and-so and she goes all right yeah. <laughs> not yes sir and then she has to go over to her station to do it yeah well, you're not just free to get up and wander around unless you're the captain mm-hmm. it, it was there were so many things like that that were so completely um 
jarring as far as this is supposed to be some sort of military-type organization or, or a place where there are rules, and everybody's just kind of doing whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah, no discipline, um, no respect for what Starfleet is supposed to stand for. Um, I will say the one thing I did like, though, um, is in the completely implausible ending um, when Spock and uh, Benedict Cumberbund are punching each other out on a moving mm-hmm. platform. I really like the fact that she beamed down and she just stood there with her phaser and kept shooting him. Yes. Like, that is a thing that I would like to see more of in, in mm-hmm. space things. Like she didn't shoot him once and not have him go down and then she, she panicked or right. she threw her phaser at him or mm-hmm. something like that. She just stood there sort of with her hand in front of her and she just kept shooting him and shooting him and shooting him until he went down. That was good. That was really good. I'm glad that they gave her that particular job. So Mm -hmm. I will say I appreciated that. Um, Yes. Rather than... And, you know, when are they going to learn to send people to a dangerous situation with more than one phaser? Right? So... Right. Spock beams down. He's got one phaser in his hand. It gets knocked out of his hands, and now he has no weapons at all. I mean, and he takes nobody else with him. He takes nobody else with him. If he was a pirate, he'd have like seven different knives, <laughs> right? Right? He'd have yes. one in his boot and one in his belt, mm-hmm. and he'd have one on his sleeve. It's like, well, why doesn't he have an extra phaser just sort of tucked away somewhere, just in case he drops yes. the one that's in his hand? You'd think that they would think yeah. about that. Yep. Well, now Carol Marcus is part of the crew. Yeah. Isn't that nice? They both have their girlfriends on the ship. I know. And that just gags me. Why does she have an English accent? When her father has a Southern accent. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense at all. No. Um, Two of the other things that really, really bugged me. And then I'll tell you the one thing that that I thought of that I think you'll find was funny was... um, you know, J.J. Abrams' movies move really fast. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't care if he's sacrificing plot or logic or character to move fast. But by the time they get to that final fight, the cuts were coming so quickly, I didn't have a clue what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just could not tell. Also, I thought there were so many times when the music sound, you know, there was music that quoted other Star Trek, but the music that wasn't doing that was so wrong. Mm. For, I remember at one point there was something, something played that I thought came out of like a 1950s Lana Turner movie. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was so, so fucked up. The thing I thought though, that, um, I think you will find entertaining is remember when Kirk had to go running through engineering mm-hmm. and then he had to climb up that thing and then he had to hang from something and kick the machine mm-hmm. and everything. All I could think was at what point does he go through the chompers? Oh yes. It was completely a chomper scene. It really was. It was because there was all these completely unnecessary arbitrary obstacles to overcome mm-hmm. that make you think, okay, if it weren't an emergency situation, is hanging from the one thing and, and kicking it into place the way you fix that? 
You know, and the other thing, um, Logan and I were talking as, as after we got done recording and we were walking back to the train station, um, we were talking about the fact that um, when Kirk and Scotty and I guess it's Chekhov are running through engineering on those mm-hmm. little catwalks that are there, yeah, you would think for the amount of times that people fall off the catwalks that they'd put some wire around them. Like, <laughs> you'd think, wouldn't you? Like, just some chicken wire. That would do it. Yeah. That would prevent something from falling, you know? But mm-hmm. no, we'll just leave them no. completely open and exposed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, on a very serious note, uh, there were two <laughs> things that really bothered me. One of them I mentioned in my review, which was that um, a lot of San Francisco gets destroyed at the end of this movie. Yes, yes. Quite callously and in cold blood. Nobody seems to give much of a fuck about that. Right. You know, and just, I mean, it's not even mentioned really in the film, even when Kirk gives his stupid speech at the end, you know, Mm -hmm. he never says, you know, and for those tens of thousands, surely, of people who must have been killed when um, Benedict Cumberbund slams his ship into the Presidio, like all those people, they had to die. and, And I felt quite bad about that like as a filmmaker Mm -hmm. is that really what we want to put in a trek film when we're you know that's not star trek that's just not what i imagine that's what what star trek should be about is slaughtering tens of thousands of people just because they could have made that whole ending just as dramatic with him crashing it into the bay and maybe stopping short of knocking down buildings or whatever but that was right right and but it's what, like yeah i read something uh just recently i can't remember what it was but it was talking about the progression of the earlier star trek movies and they said the the more they cut their budget the better those movies got yeah because when you don't have the budget for killing tens of thousands of people you have to focus on your own story and your own character mm-hmm. and i really do think this movie and and the and the prior one suffer from too much budget and just completely under the influence of we've got to be a summer blockbuster mm-hmm. to entertain 12-year-old boys and, you know, just just throw everything mm-hmm. at the screen. Yep, I, I agree. That is exactly what they did. Um, and the other thing came from a review that I was just reading today, which was really good. And I'll have to find it and then link to it. But it, it was a really good takedown of some of the more... Um, some of the deeper philosophical issues that this movie raises. And one of the big ones being um, what needs to happen at the end of this movie is is that Starfleet, if Starfleet is really the way it is, as portrayed in this movie, needs mm-hmm. to be dismantled. Because any organization yes. that could let someone like Admiral Marcus rise to that, the position that he was in and basically use a hostage as his own personal war machine and get all the funding that he got to build the Mm -hmm. giant ship that can't be allowed to go on, you know, by not stopping him. He, it was condoning what he was doing. And what about all those people? I mean, they, they made the point, I suppose, of saying that the crew on his ship was not as, as big. It wasn't 432 people Mm -hmm. like it would be on the enterprise. All those people were perfectly okay with blowing up the Enterprise? Yeah. Really? Not one person on his ship said, no, I will not fire on other Starfleet officers. Nobody. Right. 
They just right. did what he said because why? Because he was paying them? Oh, so now he doesn't even use Starfleet personnel. He uses mercenaries. Right. Will kill right. other people for money. Like, come on. This is the future. This is what Starfleet is about. Right. That's- well, and, and look at the other things. In this organization, they, they put kids in charge. Mm-hmm. You can, if you're in the club... You can invite whoever you want from the Iowa cornfield to, you know, join up. There apparently are no standards, right. you can no just give discipline whatsoever. Yep. You can promote anybody you want to to any position that you want. They don't have to earn it. You know, you mm-hmm. can just say, I want you to be captain of this ship. And then they get to be captain of the ship and they can put other people's lives in danger. Mm-hmm. That's ugh, that's just not Starfleet. And if you know, ugh, it just makes me very angry when I think about that because... No, that's... really? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm never angry about the things they do to Starfleet, uh, <laughs> right? It's just, it's, it's, you know, thinking back to Wrath of Khan and, and the first movie for that matter, the worst things about Starfleet that we, we discovered were that sometimes people got stuck in desk jobs when they should have been out doing other things. Mm-hmm. Starfleet was well, and in undiscovered country, there were traitors within Starfleet. That's right, but that's that's going to happen in any organization. But that's right. you're right. What we have not seen anything merit worthy in this new Starfleet. Right. Um, there were things that we learned over time in some of the other series, like in the the Next Generation episode, where there again was a traitor within Starfleet, but it was aliens. And mm-hmm. then their heads ended up exploding. And then in Deep Space Nine, we found out that there was this, you know, intelligence agency within Starfleet called Sector 31, Section 31. Right. Um, but that was, again, not sort of condoned by the bigger thing. And they didn't just mm-hmm. go around killing other Starfleet officers just for the hell of it because they yeah. wanted more power and they wanted to go around starting wars with everybody. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. It's like now, so they've, they've set, they've set it up so that this is the way Starfleet is going to run for the rest of however many movies they're going to make. That they're the empire. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, yeah, they are like just one step removed from being, you kill your superior officer and get his job. They are. They really are. They're, they've turned it into the mirror universe. Yeah. So, um, Trying to put a hopeful note on things. <laughs> Here's my hope. Is that for whatever reason, maybe we have to, well, we don't have to suffer. We don't have to go to any more of these. But maybe the Trek world has to suffer through J.J. Abrams' universe for a while. And then it all dies down. And then somebody comes along who says, I want to revive Star Trek, but I want it to be real Star Trek and it's somebody who who has an understanding who um I just read something where somebody was shocked to find out that Nicholas Myers was not a Trekkie when he was offered Wrath of Khan and he wasn't Mm -hmm. but he went back and watched every single episode Mm -hmm. And I will bet you anything J.J. Abrams has not done this. Or if he did, he still believes what he said on The Daily Show, that, you know, it was just too philosophical for him. Right. He probably fast-forwarded through a few episodes. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) through quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And really, the Star Trek 
series, you know, was never about action. They couldn't afford for it to be about action. They could have some fist fights and some phaser things, but you know, we didn't get real ship battles. No. No, and it was, it was about I'm decisions. really glad that the movies did not go overboard with now we've got budget. Mm-hmm. It continued to be about those characters and who they were and what their approach was to these problems, mm-hmm. how that changed them. Yep. Um, I don't. I I don't see that happening with this new thing. They're just going to keep jollying around, blowing things up, and yeah. you know, and and having their girlfriends and Scotty having that weird little companion that I would just like to to uh, chop up and and cook for dinner. Yeah. You know, just so it, it's so weird to me too um, that there were two moral things that that were raised in this movie. Um, and you mentioned Scotty, which brought it to my mind again. The fact that Scotty is willing to resign because mm-hmm. they're becoming too militarized was great. Yes. And at the end, he ends up coming back. So, you know, what the hell? It didn't really count. Um, right. And then the fact that um, Spock is the one who objects to just going and, and blowing the crap out of Khan and saying, no, we re- you know, we can't do that. We have to take him back. And Kirk actually listens to him for a change. Mm-hmm. Is great, but then that kind of all gets thrown out the window later on anyway. Um, well, so here's the other thing. Okay, go ahead, finish. Well, I was going to say, they, so they raise these issues, and superficially, the correct decisions are made, but then there's no follow through on it, mm-hmm. really, really and truly. Well, I found it kind of strange that Spock was arguing that on the basis of morality, mm-hmm. because. As I've always understood it, the cornerstone of Vulcan thought is logic. And I don't, to argue it on the basis of morality, I believe is in an emotional argument. Hmm. And so I just found it really strange. I mean, McCoy should have been the one. That's going, true. Jim, it is immoral to just yeah. go in and blast this guy to pieces. We're reacting out of anger and, and loss. Mm-hmm. And and Spock could point out the logical reason why he should be brought back to justice, but I just found that to be very unvulcan. That's true. I hadn't thought about that, but I I agree with you now because that's the triumvirate, right? Is that mm-hmm. McCoy is the one who's the center of morality, and Spock is the the by the right. rules guy. So they should have done that. Um, but you know, it didn't matter because they just put him back on ice in the end. It wasn't like they actually brought him to trial. So what the right, hell? Right, right. Who cares? Um, and then they found the key to immortality. But you know, they're just going to forget but about. But they that just forget well. about it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I don't want to see any more of these movies. <laughs> I don't either. I really don't. I think the next one that comes out, I am not going to see it. And I, you know. I'll just read some synopsis so I can find out what stupid stuff they're doing. But I can't put myself through that anymore. No, me neither. And I don't even think I want to see this movie again, even with riff tracks. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, this this has, has for me, confirmed that um, Abrams does not want to reboot Star, reboot Star Trek into something new and have new adventures. They just want to keep ripping off pieces of of real star trek mm-hmm. 
because they have no real creative ideas of their own. This is absolutely true. They just yeah. can't come up with anything new. Nope. Yeah, so I figure, you know, since they like reversing these things, what's going to happen is um, sentient whales are going to come from the future <laughs> to get some humans to take back with them. That'll be the next one. That would be good. that's the other big Star Trek movie is the one with the whales. But they can't just do, there's no whales left on Earth because then they wouldn't be being creative. Right. That, so that's the, the reversal. Yes. That's the big reversal. Okay. Yes. They're, they're sentient whales from the mirror universe. <laughs> they have little, little beards. <laughs> yep. I'm all in favor of that. Okay, let's make that movie. I'll I'll get to work <laughs> on the script. Let's do it. Okay. See, that's better than anything that J.J. Abrams could ever come up with, right? And there. they are these two whales, George and Gracie, are the emperor <laughs> and empress of the the mirror universe in the future, which has been taken over by whales. That's right. They are, of course. They are ruthless. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, good. Well, we did end on a, a happy note because that makes me well, much happier to think about than anything. Well, yes. And um, there are many, many good things coming up. Yes. That we'll be talking about in another podcast very soon. Yes. But this has been sort of a special edition for us to hopefully have done our talk therapy to get this new movie out of our systems. Right. And then we need never mention it again. So <laughs> That um, would be good. So um, for our listeners, if you have reactions or if you think we were really wrong about something, we'd love to hear it. Um, mm-hmm. So please write us and let us know what you thought. I know from following a couple of people on Twitter that they did like it. Um, and oh, many I, people have liked it. Um, yeah. A lot of people have posted on uh, the William Shatner Facebook that they like it. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, I'd be kind of interested in hearing um, what people thought for them maybe were the highlights, parts that they thought were actually really good because yeah. I just didn't see it. Um, so anyway, so now um, we'll stop talking and I'm going to put in the two reviews that we did. And I'll just preface it by saying um, Kitty's was done in the privacy of her home, whereas Logan and I were actually sitting outside the movie theater. It was the only <laughs> quiet place we could find. So uh, there's a little bit of a wind noise because I was r- recording with my iPhone and just sort of holding it in between us as we were talking. So but it's not bad at all. I listen to it and it's, you know, it's fine. It's not like you can't understand it or anything. Yeah, but anyway, that's why yep we were just sitting on the grass enjoying a beautiful day in san francisco well good so okay well um thanks for listening as always and we'll be back with another uh episode really soon and it'll be kind of out of order because we want to get this one up so the next one that we'll put up we recorded before we actually saw the movie so we're time travelers yes (laughs) although we are not whales we're not we are mostly sentient yeah Mostly. And we don't have goatees. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye.
Hello, this is Kitty. Um, I'm going to warn you right up front that there are spoilers and anger ahead. So you are warned. I just got back from the new movie, and I'm really, really angry, which you can probably hear in my voice. Um, I really did try to see this with an open mind, and I had a beer beforehand to sort of help myself mellow out a bit, but I should have known something was up when I looked at my ticket, because what was printed on my ticket was Star Trek into Dar, not Dark, Dar, as in there's no K which means there's no Kirk. Well, there wasn't even any fucking Star Trek in here. What was in here was bizarro universe Star Trek and just made me furious. But anyway, so it started out. um, Spock has to go into a volcano to set off a super ice cube and stop it. And for some reason, Kirk and McCoy are running around on the planet. That's never explained why they had to be there. Never explained why Spock had to go put the super ice cube in. And I'm going, okay, well, they had to start with an action sequence, all right. And then I started thinking about, wow, you know, Star Trek VI started with a meeting, and it was a better movie. But anyway, so it goes on, you know, they break the prime directive, and uh, and Kirk says, well, so what? And I went, oh, fuck. He is still young, arrogant, douchey Kirk. And all the way through this, I started seeing not just him, but Spock and Uhura are also just overwrought teenagers. Anyway, so the thing goes on. He gets busted down. And then this this terrorist bombs the Starfleet Library in London and comes to get them, you know, Benedict Cumberbund and everything. And as it's going on, and it becomes more and more obvious, even before they told you, you know, that he was Khan. I was actually okay with it because I was thinking, you know, this is kind of interesting. Maybe they're going to take it in a different direction. And I was even with them when Kirk and Khan teamed up. I was going, you know, this could get interesting. And maybe in this movie, because they started out with Kirk being such a jerk and being knocked down to commander or whatever he was, um... Maybe we're going to see some growth, and he'll actually become the, the, the more like real Kirk, grown-up Kirk, mature Kirk. And then they started fucking with Wrath of Khan. And I got to tell you, the, the least of my reactions was eye-rolling. And by the time they got to the point where Spock yelled, Come! I was loudly going, Oh! I, did, I just, I could not believe that they reversed it in that way. I don't care how sold you are on Spock as the hero. Kirk is not this stupid, doesn't get it, sidekick and I know the the Spock fanatics love when Kirk tells Spock you're better than I am you're a better captain but it just ain't so and then then Jesus Christ I mean this just went from awful to awfuler to awfulest ever they bring in deus ex Spockina old wrinkly Spock to tell him what to do 
And I was, I really, really wanted to throw things. I mean, I really, really did. And then, you know, it winds up at the end. Okay, well, earlier when uh, Kirk was questioning Khan, and McCoy's over there torturing a triple, and he says, why are you doing that to that triple? Oh, it's dead. I'm just seeing what Khan's blood cells do. I thought... What the, what the fuck? Are you putting that in just to be cute to have a triple? And then I thought, oh, no, you know, the triple that's introduced in Act 1 has to go off in Act 3. So it did. And so, of course, you know, they've reversed the whole thing. So Kirk now dies um, saving them all from the explosion that supposedly was supposed to kill Khan. And um, and he's dead. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to use Khan blood from the triple now that we know it revives dead people. And... Uh, you know, use that. So there was there was no no tension, and also no possibility of the next movie being the search for Kirk, which is probably a good thing. But anyway, so you know, Spock beams down to Earth. Apparently, you can get from the Klingon Empire to Earth in a matter of ten seconds. It's a chase after Khan, and they have this big, huge, overdrawn fist fight. And then Uhura beams down, and she's in the fist fight. And I'm just going, oh come on. What the, what the fuck is this? You know, it just, the whole thing infuriated me. And then it turns out Khan's not even dead. And he he jumps out of a, a crashing um, starship, plummets to Earth, and he's perfectly okay. All the things that happened to him, he's perfectly okay. And I'm going, okay, he's, he's like really strong, he's genetically superior, but he's not indestructible. He's not Superman. And... The, you know, it was, oh, God, the whole thing was just so, oh, fucked up. And so then at the end, Kirk gives this stupid speech about when Captain Pike, who's now dead, gave me the Enterprise. And this is news to me, is that captains own their ships and can hand them off to whoever they want. But anyway, they can. Um, he made me recite the captain's oath. And then he goes into space, the final frontier. I'm like, that, that's not an oath. That's not an oath. It's like, this is so totally, J.J. Abrams does not get it. And it, it just infuriated me. And honestly, to do this to Wrath of Khan, the best of the whole series of movies, and actually in many ways the heart of real Star Trek, is absolutely criminal. And all I could think is, you know, if you take a picture of the Mona Lisa and draw a mustache on it because you think it's funny. Well, maybe it is. Okay, that's cool. I'm cool with that. When you take it and deface it, draw a mustache on it or whatever, because you actually think it's better, that's just, just wrong. And this is just so, so fucking wrong. And I do not think I will ever be able to see this again. I have done my duty for the podcast by seeing it once, and I sat through it. I stayed till the end. I mean, I ran out at the end because I just had to, to get out of there. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to see the next one because God only knows what they'll do. There is no end to the arrogance of these filmmakers. Um, it's absolutely horrendous. It's not... They're all over the map as far as being military. I mean, Spock gives Uhura a direct order and she goes, all right, well, I don't care if he is your, your boyfriend. 
your commanding officer gives you an order, you don't go, all right. And of course, now Spock has her on the ship and Carol Marcus is part of the crew. So they've each got their girlfriends and oh boy. And so there's two women there who are going to worry about them when they're away on missions like Uhura did and get mad because they put themselves in danger because that's what women do. So anyway, this totally sucked. This was a totally horrible, horrible, horrible evening. And um, when I come down, I will listen to, to Lena and Logan's review. And then Lena and I will get together and, and even further dissect this abomination. So that's my review. Kitty out. So we've just come out of seeing Star Trek Into Darkness, and I'll call it the real name and not any of the jokey names, because we want to be serious about this. Um, and first of all, I have to say it was loud. Very. And it was bright. I mean, J.J. Abrams, right? <laughs> loud and bright. Isn't and, he Michael Bay's cousin? <laughs> and also, it had a lot of close-ups of people's faces that was actually a bit distracting. We saw it in 3D and IMAX. Yeah, like Spock's eyebrow. Yeah. You could see his real eyebrow hairs. I was like... Uh, yeah, maybe maybe the high def in the should have panned back a little bit. Yeah, so I I wonder if it would be better seeing it not in 3D and not in IMAX when right. they have those extreme close-ups of people's faces. <laughs> so that was a little distracting. So lots of light flares. There was a lot. There was still a lot of of uh, lens flare going on. Yeah. So it was still looking, as I heard it described <laughs> recently, like a heavily armed Apple store <laughs> on the the bridge of the Enterprise. Yes. So I think you liked it better than I did. So, I did like it. So why don't you say what you liked about it? Um, I liked that they developed the relationship between Kirk and Spock, which, of course, the, the original series and movies did. Yeah. Um, what else did I like? I liked Khan. I liked the reintroduction of Khan. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Benjamin Cumberbatch did a really good job. He was great. Yeah. Um, I think he was... I think he did a better con than <laughs> Ricardo, Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought it never really bought him as con. Maybe in the... Well, that wasn't even the 70s. It was the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. 82. I don't know. Just, it always felt awkward to me, even, I mean, as a kid. He seemed weird. Um, not like some ultimate soldier as much as some sort of, like, Mad Max Very, very crazy. Over. Like, yeah. his level of crazy was way over the top. Yeah, but I guess he's also years later, right? Mm -hmm. So, who knows? Um, what else did I like about it? Um, I like that there wasn't a whole lot of... Um, that there weren't a whole lot of ships and fights like last time. It was yeah. it was a little more focused on the, the the two ships really and the two main you know main characters Kirk and Khan. So that was good. I think they helped. It was focused in that way. Um, I'll I'll save what I didn't like. <laughs> so um, I thought I thought the acting overall was great. Yeah. Really really good acting even from Chris Pine. Yeah. He was surprisingly good. surprisingly good. You know, I was prepared for him to not be into it, but he did a good job, and I, I think they did a really good job actually showing character growth, which I was very much afraid they weren't going to do. Mm -hmm. I have to say, one of my favorite parts of the film was right at the beginning when Pike, who was actually my favorite character there, was just giving him what for and saying, here's all the reasons why you're not fit to be captain. And he was right about every single one of them. And mm -hmm. you could see that was really the driver for Kirk's development as a character. And that was spot on. I'm so glad they did that. Right. It was really important to the Because it was a lot the of the criticisms from last time. That's right. About the reboot and then the new Kirk. Um, I, I also liked 
I mean, are we doing spoilers? We, we are. Can, oh, yeah. yeah, of course. We so, have to spoil everything. I loved the emotional uh, aspect of the scene where Kurt dies. Um, but that's also the scene I hated the most, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we'll skip to the things we didn't like. Yeah. Um, when, when you and I were instant messaging the other day, you said... Can, you know, do they really have to reuse every single sort of thing that the other movies have done? So ship crashing into the planet and and Spock almost dying or whatever. Um, and so then, then when they reversed it and Kirk dies because of radiation and the hand on the wind and you're my friend. Oh my God, really? Like it's it was just right out of it was completely it wasn't even altered at all. Well, it was reversed. It was but. reversed, but did they really have to have Spock be the one who yells Khan? I mean, come on. That was bad. That was cheesy. That's iconic. It is. It is a thing. It's just a thing in culture, and it's a thing that's associated with Star Trek. And to have another actor do it, and especially an actor playing Spock do it, I thought really cheapened it yep. even more than it was. Yeah, so you had this really powerful emotional moment where I, was, I counted yeah. six tears that dropped <laughs> uh, from my eyes. And then that, and I just, they stopped. Yeah. The tears stopped as soon as that con was yelled. I was like, oh, okay, oh, it was, you ruined it. It was not good. And then the fact that they signaled that it was not going to be a real death earlier on in the film, it was really obvious to me, like a mile away, as soon as Kirk went into the containment thing, I was like, oh, he's not going to die because they have Khan's blood. They'll bring him back. Right. So any kind of connection I felt to that scene, like, oh, my God, a character's really going to die? Well, when they first said the regenerative properties and he's putting in the trouble, I'm like, oh, setting up the triple explosion. That's kind of a clever right, way. Right, right, yeah. You know, but because you think, oh, Khan's blood helps them regenerate and the triples are going to, like, go crazy mm-hmm. now. That's kind of a cute, cute nod to the past. But it took me another minute or two, yeah, <laughs> for me to realize, oh, this is how they're going to bring someone back. Yep. And then as soon, you're right, as soon as he went in, I was like, okay, yeah. you don't have to really worry about him dying. No, I didn't, you know, they're not going to kill off one of the two main no. characters in <laughs> no. the film. So other things I liked was that it was funny. I was glad that they kept the funny. So that was good. Um, I have to say, though, I was disturbed by the amount of carnage in this movie. There's a lot of people dying. A lot of red shirts-ish flying out of open... Yeah, and it was kind of... breaches. Kind of horrible. I mean, that's one thing I've actually appreciated about Star Trek is that they don't do carnage for the sake of carnage yeah. normally. When people die, when crew members die, it's like a big deal. When yes. there's a hull breach and people get sucked out, it's a big fucking deal. Right. And in this, it was just like, oh, you know, people are dying, and let's crash a ship into San Francisco <laughs> and kill, you know, tens of thousands of people and destroy yeah, Alcatraz. And not even mention it, really. Yeah, just like, oh, by the way, you know, mass destruction... And it seemed like they could have done that just as effectively without yeah. uh, killing, in quotes, so many people. They could have had him just crash into the bay mm-hmm. and still escape. And or still just had knock it. the one building down, yeah. right? like hit Starfleet Hill headquarters. But, like, yeah, they really did. So that it just made me feel a little queasy, actually, just to, to see that because... You know, as I'm watching it, I'm buying into the reality of it. And right. just sort of for them to casually kill so many people doesn't seem very, I don't know. Well, that's J.J. Abrams yeah. versus Gene Roddenberry, right? Yeah, exactly. Dealt with things a little differently. Um, the other thing that I, I thought was silly that I didn't like was the um, Millennium Falcon on, on Kronos that was zipping around with oh, the two God. ships with the Star Wars sound effects. Oh, I didn't notice. Yes, the ships that were chasing, I mean, they were basically <laughs> overlaid with, with sounds from uh, X-Fighters. And and it was, it looked just like the Millennium Falcon, and it was zipping around, and it went between the two rock crevices. It was like, okay, yeah. I see you're gearing up for your Star Wars movie. 
Yeah, exactly. You had to like test run some special effects for it. So that was good. <laughs> but but I really liked Uhura speaking Klingon. That yes. was cool. Yes. And I liked the Klingons, and I was really sorry that they were collateral damage because they seemed pretty pretty normal. Well, cool. I think that sets them up as the third movie. Yeah, right? I, I think mean, you're right. Khan helped spark, or or the the admiral helped spark basically the Klingon war, which yeah. will be movie three. It has to be. Yeah, I think so. So that was cool. Um, I was glad to see a lot of aliens. Yeah. And people of color. That was pretty good, even though most of the cast is still pretty white. Yeah. Well, I noticed when uh, when when Chekhov got relieved to go to be a head engineering, Mm -hmm. like there was a black woman that sat in his place. Yeah. I thought that. And so then you had Sulu, and it was like, okay, they're you know. Good and some older people too. They weren't all like twenty something. Right. So that was good to see. Yeah. Um, For a change, that was nice. Um, Let's see. I, so there's this thing going around. Well, there are many memes going around <laughs> with like the bromance between Quinto and Pine, and you know they are friends. They were friends before going into this, uh, and and there's some stories that maybe Quinto was the one who helped find Pine. I don't know, um, <clears throat> but I almost have to question whether they're not over or uh, playing that up in interviews and mm. things because it parallels the movie. Mm, probably. I, you know because. I don't know. I just now that having seen the movie and seen all the animated gifs and the gifs, gifs, right? <laughs> and then all the, you know, just the interviews and all the things, and it's just like it, it's a meme right now mm-hmm. that you know there's this bromance between these two guys. And I'm not questioning whether they have a friendship. It's just it seems to be rather public right now, mm. and I have to think that it's a PR tactic. Yeah. I'm sure. To help bring the movie part. I mean, because if you know that these two guys are real friends in real life, then seeing their characters develop this deep friendship mm-hmm. means something more, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting to me that in the movie, um, I think they were very careful not to imply that um, Kirk and Spock have any kind of relationship right. other than just being friends. Yeah. Because they certainly didn't do that in either the original series or in the movies. I mean, there were a lot of jokes yeah. and things that very much implied that they might have some kind of other relationship. And and here they seemed like, you know, let's not touch that with a 10-foot pole. But the very fact that Spock is in a relationship with a woman is yep. one way of signaling it. Right. But then just having, like, moments of conflict between them where they seem to still be on the verge of enemies sometimes mm-hmm. rather than being close. Right. I don't know. It seemed like maybe they were reaching a little bit too far to make sure that nobody really thought they were gay. Oh, my God. What if somebody thought that? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see if they ever do insert, introduce one of the characters. As, I would I would predict it'd have to be uh, uh, Chekhov. You think so? I just think that's the... the well, well, I take it back. There is a gay relationship on the, on the, in the movies. It's, it's Scotty and uh, his little friend. <laughs> Come on, right? <laughs> That's true. That is very true. That is, yep, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, okay. I accept that. I totally accept that. Yeah, it would be nice if they would introduce, like, a more openly gay character that might be refreshing among yeah. the human cast. It'd be too to, obvious to be Sulu, given yeah. the JK connection. Yeah. And I don't think it'd be Spock. Well, it would never <laughs> be, but even with Quinto. So. And then they had to show that McCoy was interested in the other new female character. Is she Marcus? Was that the name of the not nurse, maybe? No, maybe? No. no. So in regular old track, yeah. she was the woman that Kirk had a son with, uh, David. Right, yes. Yeah. And I sound, yes, I, 
it was just like too wrapped up and right. Yeah. I knew so, as soon as they said her name, I went, ding, wait, okay, now something else is right. happening. So I stopped she, thinking. So she was in Wrath of Khan, yep. but, but yep. as an older woman, and they had had an affair years and years before, and he didn't know that he had right. a son. So they're bringing her back in this capacity. Uh, I liked Peter Weller. I thought that he was good. He, so he played um, Admiral Marcus. Oh, yeah. And I, I've been a fan of him since RoboCop and other things. But mm-hmm. he was... Um, Believable. He was believable as a, a, a bad guy pretending to be a good guy. Right. He's, he was also believable in a um, in the, the, the movement from... So if this whole reboot has a slightly militarized yeah. hint to it, but they're still about exploration, uh-huh. which they mentioned several times in the movie... You know, obviously, if you've been, that there are going to be some who fear the, you know, whether it's the Klingons or the Romulans or whatever. And and I think he played a very good, um, high, you know, high up in command guy who's who's. It's all it's you know the the war is coming and I'm the only salvation. Because mm-hmm. um, every military must have those guys, yep. right? And he did a very good job of portraying a military bent to the otherwise exploratory yeah, federation. I like that. I also liked that they raised the issue of whether or not it's moral to just go and kill somebody. Yeah, yeah. And Kirk actually changed his mind about that. So that was kind of good because yeah. that's something that they absolutely would have focused on in original series, you know. It would right. have been the whole crux of an episode, whether you go out and you yes. just kill someone as retaliation or whether you try to bring them back and make them face justice. Yeah, I liked, I was very happy. Well, obviously they had to to have Khan be the movie, but but they made a big point of it, yeah, too. Yeah. It was like a soliloquy a little bit about it. Yeah. That well, was nice. Spock played the part of the exposition police yes. <laughs> to a great degree in oh this my movie. God. Okay. <laughs> blah, 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 there, there was blah, another blah, blah, moment blah. when um, when they were talking about the, the freighter and they had to explain where they got it. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, you know, who was it? Sulu, please, you know, Please prepare the uh, the freighter that we got on this mission to do this thing, and then this. I'm like, oh my god, can you just say the freighter? Like, do we really need all of that information? But, you know. Yeah. Um, let me think about some other things. So there were just some things that were kind of goofy. I mean, this an objection that I would have is that the Enterprise, as originally conceived, was never meant to be in an atmosphere of any planet ever. Yeah. And the fact that they were in the last movie, they were building it on Earth stupid because you would never do that you would build it in space it's, it's easier it's cheaper and and yeah. so here that they were hiding it in an ocean i mean really well i guess but in the later episodes right like voyager could go into atmosphere yeah, and so maybe they were a different ship no i know but i'm thinking maybe they just uh have taken that idea and ported it over because okay. theoretically you could move a ship into a large atmosphere yeah. if it was a gas planet or something i guess I don't know. It just—it seems like it takes away a little bit of the magic of a starship that you would actually have it be in atmosphere when it's meant to be a, a space-going vehicle. And then at the end, so they're they're racing towards Earth, and Sulu says, "We're going to burn up in the atmosphere. We're going to be incinerated." And yet they entered the atmosphere, and they didn't get power back until they were kind of in the clouds. Yeah, so how come they didn't get incinerated? <laughs> It's a good question. There was something wrong. There was actually a blog. I didn't read all of it. I read the headers, <laughs> TLDR and all. But um, it was about the five or six. Is a scientist. Uh-huh. Um, I think he's a physicist. I can't remember. But he was like, he said that there are five or six science just uh, no-nos that he's seen over the years. And he didn't talk about this movie um, because he didn't want to spoil anything. But it was like all the various series and then the other movies. And 
just his the six most egregious um, fly in the face science mistakes they've made. Where the, it's obvious that oh, oh this one he did talk about a trans warp. Oh yeah. He said okay so if warp and then warp ten means this thing. What is transwarp? Because literally it would mean, and I think he said Voyager did this or something, but anything faster than warp would mean you were at all places at all times. <laughs> because anything faster than warp 10 or whatever, if warp 10 is infinite, or no, if warp 10 is the fastest you can go, and transwarp means infinite speed, then infinite would mean you were in all places at all time once you go into transwarp. So you'd be omnipresent. <laughs> yeah, and so it was, it, that was my favorite one of all of them. I, I only read the others briefly, but they were all, you know, the headers were all pretty good. He's like, as soon as he says them, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we have to put that aside because it is a movie after sure. all. Um, so I thought, actually, that I had seen this in a, um, a preview, but the little story within the bigger movie of um, the couple who has the sick child. Yeah. That was very moving and yeah. very touching, and I thought that the actors who did that were great. And I was really a little annoyed that we never got to see the resolution of that. I mean, we saw what happened to the dad, but what about the girl? Right. Like, did it work? And did. And what happened to her? What happened to her? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I don't know. Maybe that's going to be the plot of another movie, but I, I really liked that. I thought that was a really nice piece of movie making mm-hmm. that was kind of a a quiet and emotional moment within a lot of noise. It was also very striking given that it followed right after the the Enterprise rising up out of the ocean yeah. and blah 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 like it yeah it was it was a nice um, twist and, and it's interesting as well because it sets off all the chain of events mm-hmm. in a way that you don't realize it's going to when it's yeah. when it's happening so I think I could have wished for a little more of that a little more quiet subtlety. stuff a little subtlety <laughs> you know a little more time for things to play out rather than people sort of yelling at each other which was happening a lot yes but that's the way J.J. Abrams likes to make his movies so I think we have to accept that um, so let's see everything was reset at the end so they got the Enterprise back yeah. Kirk's the captain again and by the way one of my main criticisms of the last movie was that Kirk and everybody else basically gets their positions through accident, right? Yep. And it happened again in this movie, right? Kirk's supposed to be the first officer, Pike gets killed, so then he becomes captain again. He still hasn't actually earned his captaincy, strictly speaking. I mean, he's a better person, and he's more capable now, but he still hasn't risen through the ranks and gotten all the experience that he should have to be the captain. So that was annoying to me. Um, And I like the fact that he... um, promoted Chekhov to head of engineering, but that also seemed a little abrupt. Like, yeah. didn't Scotty have somebody who was second yeah, in command exactly. in engineering who might be just a little <laughs> more competent than some 17-year-old Russian kid? Yep, you would imagine. <laughs> but it was pretty funny when Kirk said he could go put on a red shirt. Yes. I was like, oh no, he's I know, I thought die. that immediately too, but then I also thought it was funny when he told the two red shirts to take their red shirts off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, phew, they're safe. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, so they've set it up for the next movie, whoever the villain is going to be. Um, the they Klingons. Le- the Klingons, sure. probably. They left all of the of Khan's people yes. alive. For later, so for Khan's return. That's going to happen, <laughs> including Khan, but he's not dead. Yep. He's just frozen. Um, interesting that his name is Khan, and he's a lily white guy. Yeah. How's that work? I don't know. <laughs> well, in a, in a post-Rachel future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Benedict Cumberbund is about the whitest guy that I could ever imagine being. He was good. He was yeah, really good. He was fantastic. He was very evil. Uh, let's see. What other things about this movie? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure that I would want to see it again. Like, I think 
seeing it once is enough. Oh, so when I got it, just this is interesting, totally a random aside. Uh, I might go watch it. I by ordering IMAX 3D tickets, I got from Fandango a free iTunes download. Oh, really? For the original movie in oh. HD, one of 1080p. Oh, wow. So now I have it on my iTunes. <laughs> That's interesting. I thought that was an interesting yeah, uh, giveaway. That they're pairing it up. For open. I, I don't know if it's always or if it's just opening weekend or what, but. That's cool. Yeah. Mm. I, I, thought, I thought I might watch it tonight if my roommates want to watch it to see if, you know, how they stack up. I, you know, I watched the original one um, with uh, Kitty not that long ago, and it's, I mean, it's a different movie. It's made in a different era when people made movies differently. Yeah. It's slower. There are not a lot of big explosions in it, but I think it has more tension between the two characters. Like, in this movie, there's not a lot of tension between Kirk and Khan. There's a lot of punching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it seems like their conflict is expressed mostly physically, whereas... In the other movie, it's more about strategy. Oh, I meant, no, I, the one they de- gave you the general was oh. the 09. Oh, that okay. one. Okay. <laughs> well, I was talking about the original, the original Wrath of Khan. Number but, two or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's still a really good movie, and the performances in it are, are really great. And it's it's a lot, there's a lot of silence, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah there is. And, and there's, like, stuff happening. And I was glad that they did some of the strategy in this movie even though they don't figure it out on their own. Right. They, they need old wrinkly Spock to kind of <laughs> tell them how to solve the problem that yeah. they have. Like, really? Well, they how many times can they rely on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the most basic of mistakes, right? When Kirk tells Scotty to to drop Khan and yeah. keep him down. Oh. Like, and then he looks he away. away. <laughs> yeah, you knew. I mean, you knew. You knew the second yeah. that he looked away. Oh, it was come on. That kind of stuff bugs me. I don't know. It just seems like, you know it's going to happen, but it's still... It's, it's sort of like when the villain always, in movies, has to tell the like hero his plan <laughs> before he kills him. him, yeah. <laughs> and then somehow he, the hero always gets away and then stops his plan. Anyway. Well, I'm glad we saw it. Yeah, me too. Um, I, 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 I enjoyed it. I'm still waiting for my favorite movie of the summer. Haven't had it yet. That would be um, Man of Steel. I think it will be. I, I'm prepared for it to be. I don't. There are a few others I'm excited to see this summer, but I feel like that's probably going to be the one. Yeah, uh, I am very excited to see the next Thor movie, but that's not coming out until November. Yeah, and I don't know. I, eh. <laughs> I, I like them all. I just think that Thor movies are. Eh. <laughs> I like him. I yeah. I don't know. Iron but Man. It, but it's going to have. Um, other villains. It's not just going to be a Thor and Loki movie. Right. That's why it's going to well, be Well, he has to rely on Loki, right? Yeah. It's going to be good. I saw the trailer for it. I thought the trailer looked really good. It looks good. It looks better than the first one. I'll say that. I thought the first one was eh. Um, yeah, there's about like five or six movies I'm excited to see. There's about ten this summer or eight that are like, eh, I'll see them maybe. And then there's like three or four I won't see at all, including The Hangover 33 and 30 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take a pass on all the other post-apocalyptic movies that are coming out this summer because they look like Earth, the same. After Earth. They look like the same movie over. And yeah, over I actually do want to see After Earth just because I, I like Will Smith as an actor, even if I don't, even if I think he's batshit crazy in real life. <laughs> um, but I do think it looks good. I haven't seen Oblivion, and I'll probably just wait to see Oblivion on DVD because it's already out. I don't even know if it's still around in theaters, but um, also Tom Cruise. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> He's a different kind of crazy than Will Smith in real life. True. Okay. Well, this was good. I'm glad we saw it together. Thanks for sitting in on the review. And hopefully we'll get to um, do another review for something. 
at some time in the future. Yeah, cool.